0: Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com/dexter. Hi everyone. Welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you as always from the mobile studio here, deep in the heart of lovely, grey, windy, (laughs) rural North Yorkshire, England, and I'm all fed and watered suitably, and I'm wearing my black armband, and I'm ready to talk about our favourite serial killer after Charles Manson, and uh, I'm joking, our favourite serial killer. And can you believe we are already one quarter of the way through the season? Only three episodes have passed by, but already (laughs) there's 25% of the season and haven't they done a lot already? It seems to have been absolutely crammed with with stuff. Lots of stuff going on and stuff to talk about and just stuff. (laughs) To be fair, not quite so much stuff going on in the Dissecting Dexter studio over the last week. Autumn is in full swing, as I as I alluded to. It's very windy out there, very autumnal, as you'd expect. We're what halfway through October already, and um, it's getting cooler. What is nice about this changing season, and as it gets it gets colder in the evenings, we're getting a lot more opportunities to light fires. Uh, we've got an open fire at home. I'm, I probably mentioned it last winter, and it really makes those cool evenings a lot cosier at home when we're curled up watching Dexter and uh he got a fire roaring in the uh, in the grate and yeah just love all that i do like those cold winter evenings that you can brighten up with a fire and a nice tot of my uh, my homemade slow gin it goes down a treat <laughs> but enough of that i don't want to take up too much of your time with yet another rambling introduction just before we get into the episode, I want to give another shout-out to the official Dexter Wrap-Up podcast, which is hosted by Scott Reynolds, one of the producers and writers on the show. He's doing a really great job. It's his first podcasting foray. Uh, he hasn't done a podcast before, and I think he's doing a... Honestly, I think he's doing a really great job. He's he's bagging all the good interviews, as you'd expect. <laughs> he's probably got all the cast on speed dial. Uh, so, you know... I can forgive him for cheating, but hey. Uh, but so far, he's had Jennifer Carpenter and James Remar. And this week, C.S. Lee was on to talk about uh, about his character in the show and, and specifically this latest episode. And uh, the showrunner, Scott Buck, is on each week to answer your questions, which you can post on uh, the Dexter Facebook page or the show underscore Dexter Twitter feed. Anyway, that's the official Dexter Wrap-Up podcast, which you can access uh, via the Dexter Showtime iTunes feed. Right, let's crack on and dig into the latest episode. Season 7, Episode 3, Buck the System. Original air date, the 14th of October, 2012. Written by Jace Richdale, and directed by Stefan Schwartz, who returns for his second directing gig on Dexter, having directed an episode from last season, Smokey and the Bandit. Right, let's go! Dexter seemed to spend spent a good chunk of this episode trying to further explain his dark passenger and he had some big moments of great honesty he did try to maintain his manipulation from the end of last week's episode trying to show deb that her intervention was helping and hoping that she'd then ease off a bit he's so keen to get her off his back and you can understand that he needs to kill someone and it was quite funny seeing him jonesing That opening scene in the post office (laughs) its something that would make anyone's blood boil and it was funny seeing him imagine murdering the woman behind the counter and then later with him stabbing Masuka. Like his dark passenger was reminding him that he has to kill somebody soon or he's just going to lose it. The symbolism was not so subtle but still effective illustrating his sense of feeling penned in. The crowded post office, the crowded briefing room the high walls of the narrow alley when he was talking to Deb after he, nearly <laughs> after he nearly throttled a suspect in the interview room. I liked how she just left the guy on the floor to go outside with Dex. The guy practically <laughs> with the table on top of him pathetically calling help. <laughs> but that alley bit, it was not so subtle but did the job. Dexter hemmed in on either side with only two routes out. One through Deb or the other way running away on his own. He was pretty naive, thinking it would be a simple job to get Deb off his back, like he thought that one phone call last week would would be enough when he had Lewis in the car, like, like that would be enough to convince her that her intervention was working. But he quickly moved on and spoke quite honestly, that something has got to give if he doesn't do something soon, that suppressing, suppressing his urges is not the answer. However, for Deb to accept this means her accepting that he's going to go out and kill. And that goes against everything she believes in. I liked her counter-argument that Harry was wrong and that things will eventually catch up with Harrison. But she agrees to back off a bit, which is a massive relief to Dexter. Some people I've heard have questioned Deb being on side with Dexter a bit too easily, a bit too readily. But I think it's quite simple. She's not going along with him killing people, but she's in a place where she has to either turn him in or try to help him. And she said last week that she doesn't want to see him in prison for the rest of his life, or worse, (laughs) maybe even the death penalty. I think the fact that her own career would probably be over too is only a secondary factor for her. So she's got to help him in the best way she can think of. She's not condoning him killing, at least not yet. (laughs) Maybe that's to come. But I buy it. It's perfectly plausible for her to want to protect her brother, to help him as best she can. To me, it all feels quite organic so far.
1: You're listening to Dissecting Dexter.
0: And so we went into classic Dexter kill of the week territory, at at least (laughs) just stopping short of him actually killing someone. But we had the vet and hunt routine with the fun twist of involving Deb and kudos to Dexter for being open with her. He's really trying to get her on board, show her how him killing the right people can have positive consequences. And it was hard work because it's the killing part that she has the biggest problem with, understandably. But if he wanted to illustrate his point, he picked a pretty good target to do it. Ray (laughs) Speltzer... What a strange one he is. He's played by Matt Gerald, who I knew from his time on The Shield, but he's also been in films like Avatar and Tigerland. He cut a pretty imposing figure, didn't he? And he looked pretty scary. What about that bloody minotaur costume? <laughs> Disturbing, I thought, but I guess he was just horny. Ha <laughs> ha. Never mind. His victim... His victim was played by Lauren Mayhew, who previously had a short spell as a wrestling ring announcer at the WWE. When she went to Speltz's house, she had an uneasy look on her face right from the start when she noticed plastic on the sofa. I'm surprised she didn't try to make her excuses because she was clearly picking up on a bad vibe. (laughs) I guess she won't be making that mistake again. But I enjoyed the interactions between Deb and Dexter about this. She was still on his tail, so he had to involve her, try and get her seal of approval to kill Speltzer. He tried to explain a chunk of the code that he does ensure he has proof before killing someone. He also tried to explain how he gets a sense of someone being a killer. He called it his lizard brain, but we've talked before about his spidey sense, these hunches he gets, and I loved how he brought that into the conversation with Deb when he talked about previous cases and how often he'd told her about his hunches that then paid off and it gave her pause for thought i liked how deb responded in the bar scene getting angry at dexter trying to convince her this way it was nice to hear him use the phrase taking out the trash it's the argument we had to accept as viewers back in season one Deb, of course, valiantly tried to push the legal system argument, but I love Dexter's response that if the system worked so well, he wouldn't be so busy. Great line. He gave the argument that his way he can stop speltzer killing again, while the legal process would require someone to die before he can be arrested. And it was nice to hear Deb bring up one of the things we've talked about a lot on the podcast – something we have to remind ourselves of sometimes, that Dexter doesn't do what he does to save lives or protect people. He does it, first and foremost, for selfish reasons, because he has to. And the fact that there's an end benefit to society is just a bonus. Without Harry's guidance, he could have ended up like Brian, of course. It was a pretty tense sequence at the end, in Speltz's house. Deb getting hooked on the razor wire. Actually... The whole sequence there was very Silence of the Lambs. I was just waiting for Dexter to come to the rescue, though, and of course he did, but Spelzer got away. And with a new victim in front of her, Deb could maybe start to see Dexter's point. He knew Spelzer was going to kill again, and he was right. He didn't need to say, I told you so, (laughs) although you could see it on his face. It was within their power to stop it. When she walks away from Dexter, you could hear the cogs in her head whirring. What a moment of conflict for her. And then at the end of the episode, they have another good chat at her house. You were right.
1: If I'd let you do things your way, then Spelter would be dead and that girl would be alive. But he's out there, free to kill again. Well, you can't change the way you think overnight. I haven't. I mean, I have, but I haven't. I get it. What you do? I hate it, but I get it. So you accept it. I understand it. I understand that it might be. Might be. Unnecessary evil. But what I don't understand. Are the blood slides? They're trophies. They're like Spelzer's earrings. I'm nothing like Spelzer. But on some level, Dexter, you like to kill. I like the way it makes me feel. Same thing. Deb, I can't change who I am. I know. And I can't change who I am.
0: This is good stuff. Although, apart from her asking him to move out, we're left still not knowing what's going to happen with her. We do know that her feelings have changed. It can't ever be the same, and I suppose that's right. How could it? She seems to be getting to the point where she accepts she can't change him, and she's giving him some space back, but I'm sure she still doesn't condone him killing. Definitely not. She's still got some thinking to do, yes, but she's got a tough choice. He still needs to kill. Can she live with that? OK, moving on. Elsewhere in the episode. For the first half of the episode, I did enjoy the Lewis stuff. Dexter sending the hand to Masuka. Sending the hooker video to Jamie. Cocking up both Job and Girlfriend in quick succession. I thought he'd lie low for a while, like a wounded animal, before popping up in a few episodes, like we theorised about on the Season 7 preview podcast coming back with a vengeance and messing with Dexter at a crucial time. And then... And then, after exactly four days, 17 hours, 53 minutes and 12 seconds of theorising, discussion, speculation about Lewis Green, this happened.
1: Who is Dexter
0: Morgan? Like I
1: said, he's just a jerk who works for Miami Metro Homicide. Can I can I please go?
0: Yes. Get rid of him. Excuse me a moment. No! Bastard! No! Thank you. Now, I was very conflicted when this happened. <laughs> Part of me thought, OK, this could happen. Could be an organic part of the story. Lewis just got caught, wrong place, wrong time. Whatever sabotage he did to Dexter's boat... ...could still come into play later, at a crucial time. He could he could still play a part in that way... ...even if he's not there in body. And of course we've got the small matter of the blood drops we saw... ...they were very careful to show us dripping onto the deck... Uh, are we going to tr- trust Jason Gedrick to uh, to clear all that up, or is he just going to get rid of the body and, and not mop the deck down? <laughs> I dare say that'll come into play. But then another part of me was disappointed, because I chatted with Josh Cook, and I was hoping to have him back on in the new year to look back on a great season for his character and maybe look ahead to his role in season eight. But mostly, I was disappointed for creative reasons, because of the build-up his character received. And the build-up had been really good. We've talked about it so much. We gave the writers a lot of credit for it. The slow burn coming in under the radar is such a popular and successful part of season six. And this season, he was simmering as this frustrated, somewhat childish and erratic character whose intelligence, ignorance and arrogance could make him a very dangerous enemy. And what did they do? Get rid of him. Yes, you did. And I'm struggling to understand why. I'd love to know... Get rid of him. Yes, yes, all right. I'd love to know if this is what the writers had planned for him when they established him last year, or did they see the fan reaction to him, seeing he'd become one of the most popular aspects of what was a poorly received season of Dexter, and thinking, right, we'll stick it to you kill him off cheaply and early on. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to accuse the writers of being petty. So I'll suggest that maybe they got to this season and weren't too sure of what to do with him. Which would actually surprise me after they'd built him up so well last year. It it felt, didn't it? It felt like they had a longer-term plan with him. Now, I suppose plans can change and... Maybe they got to writing episode 3 and thought they'd surprise us. And I don't mind being surprised, or shocked. Lewis getting the bullet shocked me. And, like I said, I can buy into it, but I'm just disappointed after he seemed destined for so much more. There'll be feedback on this, so I'll leave this one for now. As we've got to Lewis's demise at the hands of Isaac, let's talk about the Ukrainians for a minute. We see further evidence of Isaac being a cold-blooded killer, He's obviously not afraid to get his hands dirty and do his own dirty work. We can see he's persistent and obviously very dangerous. And now he has Dexter's name. I did enjoy their little encounter in the club, neither of them knowing, realising who the other was. Isaac was a little confrontational to say Dexter might have been a potential customer. But Dexter held his own and the conversation was, well, it ended up being borderline cordial. I loved the wry smiles, but I wonder, will they be smiling next time they meet? And the GPS thing. This was one of those times where we have to suspend some disbelief in the name of uh, plot progression, and I do applaud the writers for maintaining the pace of the season, pushing things along as they are, and having Isaac learn of Dexter so soon. It really leaves me wondering how the second half of the season's going to pan out. But the GPS... I would question whether they could pinpoint an individual boat like that and how do they know the slice of life is the same boat that baskov Wadinov got taken out on. <laughs> I love that line from Deb earlier <laughs> on, that name. But for all they know, this boat in front of them, the slice of life, it could be a new boat on the dock, for all they know. So they did make that presumption and rush in, but then again, it was the right boat, So, <laughs> so that was that. Quinn and Nadia. Now, Quinn has never stopped being the dirty old dog, being guided by his libido. Whether the girl is bluffing him, I'm not sure. Who does she fear the most? She, is, she, is she telling Quinn she's been told to get close to him for information? Is she doing that just to gain his trust in order to get information? I'm not sure, honestly, how much I really care at this point. Part of me wonders if it'll end badly for Quinn, but I really don't fancy the girls' chances of surviving the season. LaGuerta. I liked how Deb used this lizard-brain phrase when she talked to LaGuerta, trying to get to Spelzer through lawful channels. But the only possible reference to LaGuerta's private investigation into the Doakes Bay Harbour butcher thing, was Deb mentioning how she was doing what she can to stop anyone else being killed. And it seemed to make LaGuerta wonder, if the real butcher is still out there, what will she do to stop him killing again? Finally, let's talk about Hannah. Hannah Mackay. We got mention of her last week and met her this week. I'm sure you all know she's played by actress Yvonne Strahovski an Australian who's best known for her role on Chuck actually her accent wasn't perfect did you notice the odd hint of her Australian accent coming through but the character was intriguing and her performance apart from the accent was uh, was okay it was a nice short introduction no doubt she's very damaged by what she's experienced and clearly Dexter went a bit weak at the knees in her presence, fumbling at the swab like he had jelly fingers. Okay, yeah, she's not unattractive, is she? Let's face it. But Dexter's not normally affected by that kind of stuff. Perhaps his lizard brain was registering something. Him knowing the connection to Wayne Randall and having a vague idea, at least, of what she experienced. We'll know more next week, I'm sure, but I was okay with this scene. It was alright. Okay. Let's move on and hear what you think of it all. Get rid of it. Oh, stop it.
1: Listener feedback.
0: All right, first up, we've got a bit of late feedback that came in literally... Well, it was... (laughs) It was about 20 minutes after I'd uploaded the finished, edited podcast last week. And to be fair to Matt from London, uh, that's Matt Battles who was on the the preview show a few weeks ago, um, I guess I caught him out (laughs) because I was unusually quick at getting the podcast out last week. But um, I was trying to preempt a repeat of the problems I had the week before where the podcast was ridiculously late because of the old uh, RSS feed problem that I talked about last time. Anyway, we don't need to go over that again. Here's Matt's voicemail talking about Sunshine and Frosty Swirl.
2: Hey, Gareth. It's Matt from London. Uh, Just thought I'd throw in some of my thoughts regarding Dexter Season 7, Episode 2, Sunshine and the Frosty Swirl. First point, is it me or do the Dexter writers and whatever seem desperate to get their episode titles mentioned in the dialogue somehow? Something that's been going on since Season 5, I think it's getting a little bit weird, you know, why can't we think of something witty like they did with Popping Cherry, um, Dex Lies in Videotape, Give the Boy a Hand. You know, those were some clever titles that never appeared in the dialogue. It's just, whenever that happens in TV and film and stuff, it makes me just want to slap my head. Anyway, that aside, um, let's talk about the episode. I thought the dynamic between Texter and Deborah was brilliant, you know, as they were talking outside um, about Dex being a serial killer and how long they've been doing it and I think I genuinely cried out when, you know, she said that dad taught and I thought, oh my God, you know, that's going to blow her head open. You know, but I thought they skated over a lot of stuff. You know, like when she asked me if he was the Bay Harbor butcher, he didn't answer. She just sort of left be. She didn't sort of cry out about dokes, you know, being an innocent man thrown on the pyre, if you will. You know, so I hope that these things come up more, you know, is that why Trinity killed Rita? Did Trinity kill Rita uh, when you... When Rita died, you were outside. The first thing he said was, it was me. Did you kill Rita? You know, these are things that really should be coming up. Um, you know, I thought that was cool. And then again, when Dexter and Deborah was at their house and he was talking about what it feels like, it was really quite chilling to hear because we've never heard Dexter mention things like this before. This is new for us because we don't exactly know how it feels for him because he's never had a chance to talk about it. But it makes sense, because in season one, he did mention in I think it was, let's give the boy a hand, actually he mentions, you know, that without Harry, he might have com- committed a senseless murder in his youth just to watch the blood flow, which I thought was quite clever, because that's what he would have wanted to do if he's seeing blood. So that, that was nice. and quite clever. It was very much like the book, you know, Dexter being a little bit more deadpan, a little bit less emotional. I thought that was great. The dynamic between Dexter and Deborah is brilliant this episode. They crackle with just about every scene they're in. Then there was Lewis uh, he just seems this season to be a bit of a weenie <laughs> um you know he's he's just coming across as really quite pathetic. you know he was interesting and enigmatic last two season. this season he just seems like a whiny kid, you know um bitching out Dexter because he missed his game and you know, told him to get out of his apartment and don't touch his stuff. He's just coming across a bit of a childish tit, You know, and plus, he's a web guy. And if you can hack child porn onto people's hard drives, um, why doesn't he have a lock on his own computer? Just silly little stuff like that that the writers over look really bug me. You know, because he would he'd have a lock on his computer. You know, the all the other characters did really well. Lauren Velez was nice, entertaining, good to watch, um, but she's not interacting with anybody, so we didn't get to see her being a bitch. So that's always positive. Um, I can't think of anything bad to say about the season apart from a couple of little bits here and there. Um, I thought the dynamic was great. Really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to the third episode because I think that's when we finally get to meet um, Hannah McKee. And I'm just praying that she doesn't end up being another Rita Lumen hybrid or something. Anyway, keep up with good work, Dallas. Speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Matt. Your first comment there, your first
0: point about episode titles coming from a line of dialogue. Um, Honestly, I don't think it's something they do all that regularly on Dexter. Uh, Looking at some of the titles from last season, yes, there certainly were some culprits. But there were episodes like Talk to the Hand, which was a play on words. Ricochet Rabbit was the name of a boat. Sin of a Mission. I don't think that was taken directly from a line of dialogue. They do use a line from the show sometimes, but I don't think they do it enough for it to get tiresome. I agree, it could be seen as a bit lazy, and is definitely something other shows often do. And I have to agree with you, of course, about the interplay between Deb and Dexter. It's the highlight of every episode at the moment. Thanks again, Matt. On to an email from Danielle in Australia in response to my comments that were in response to her email from last week. Uh, She emailed in to say, just wanted to clarify a few of my comments from last week. Don't get me wrong, I love the show and I really wanted it it to finish with a bang. I started to worry how it was going to conclude as Dex's journey of self-realisation now seems to be circular. I was a huge X-Files fan and the way it ended was beyond bad and very disappointing. The other thing I should have made clearer was my feeling about how closely Dexter will stick to his code of only killing murderers. There's no doubt he has a very strong sense of self-preservation and when he feels trapped does whatever he needs to avoid capture. He now seems to accept who he is, and I wonder when push comes to shove, would he kill someone not fitting the code to remain free? Hence my suggestion that LaGuerta may end up dead by Dexter's hand. One clue they gave us about Lewis was that he destroyed another person's career when he felt he was personally wronged, so we know that he is capable so we know what he is capable of and that success would certainly have boosted his confidence to continue harassing Dexter. Just think, if Dexter had liked Lewis's serial killer computer game, would Lewis be acting like he is now? I doubt it. I think you're right in that he doesn't have a clue about who Dexter really is. It's great that I can finally be an active part of dissecting Dexter. It's great fun and thanks for putting it all together. Thanks very much, Danielle. It's good to have your comments on the show. And thanks for clarifying your points. Sorry if I didn't pick up the right vibe from your email last week. Obviously, Lewis is just a moot point now. I mean, you, you did send this email in between episode two and three. Maybe we'll find out some more about Lewis's background, but honestly, I'm a little bit doubtful. There's there's too much else going on at the moment, and they are marching forward at such a pace. You mentioned Guerta again there. I'm going to stand by my theory from last week that it's going to be Deb who kills her. OK, moving on. Uh, Another bit of feedback that came in between episodes 2 and 3 was from Matt Humphrey of the Twin Peaks podcast. Uh, Matt rang in to talk about Harry.
1: Hey, Gareth. uh, This isn't episode-specific, but I just listened to uh, the Dexter... official Dexter podcast that they put out in the interview with James Remar, and is it just me, or does he not know his character? He seems to take everything that harry does like as the opposite of what he means to do or something james remar doesn't think that harry was involved with dexter's mother when it's clearly implied it's not explicitly stated i don't think but it's very much implied but i think there's a few other things but the one that was way out there james remar thinks that Harry just threw up because he was physically ill already when he discovered Dexter cutting up those bodies he doesn't think that I think he said that he doesn't even think that Harry was shocked or anything that's exactly what he wanted he just threw up because he was sick yeah that's it I don't know about you but I think it was pretty clear that Harry threw up because he was disgusted by the monster that he had created right? Anyways, that seems completely
0: off to me. (laughs) What do you think?
1: I assume you listened. All right, bye.
0: Thanks very much, Matt. And uh, while I've got you, kudos on a great job that you've uh, done on the Twin Peaks podcast and bagged some really good interviews, so congratulations on that, sir. You raised some very valid points about Harry. The key scene you mention when Harry, uh, when he came in on Dexter dismembering someone or about to i remember it because i only reviewed that episode a few weeks ago for the podcast at the time it seemed very clear that harry threw up in reaction to seeing the full crimson horror of how he'd shaped his son out of sight out of mind up until then then suddenly here it was in front of him in glorious technicolor His son standing over the body of someone he'd just killed and seemingly very casual sort of, hi dad, about it. Yes, Harry was ill at the time, but everything seemed to point. Indeed, the whole purpose of the scene seemed to be Harry's reaction to seeing the full horror and give us something to show why he might have killed himself. That he couldn't take the reality of what he'd done, shaping Dexter like this, and he couldn't live with it. I had no problem with that. I could well imagine the effect that that would have on Harry as a father. I mean, you can argue he took the coward's way out, although that said, he was dying from cancer anyway, and he could have taken the opportunity to maybe try and repair some of the damage. Instead, he left Dexter alone. It doesn't help my opinion of Harry, although Remar's suggestion that Harry himself might have been damaged by his life's experiences was plausible to me and it did go some way to help account for some of his questionable parenting decisions, although as was quite obvious in the wrap up podcast, Remar did have some of Harry's backstory just in his head, and you could argue that's not canon it's not canon if it's not been shown in the show. Anyway, good voicemail Matt, thanks for that.
1: This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. I am a father, a son,
0: a serial killer. Okay, on to an email from Dan in Wisconsin. He emailed to say, I'm a relatively new listener to the Dissecting Dexter podcast. I recently marathoned the first six seasons in about four weeks, finishing right before the season seven premiere. As of now, I have 14 episodes left of Dissecting Dexter to listen to, but I'll be caught up soon. I'm emailing today because I have come up with a theory that Sergeant Doakes is still alive. The way he died in season two never felt right to me. The explosion and his flaming body flying through the air was convincing enough, but the way they just found a burned body the next day always seemed off to me. Doakes was a highly trained special ops dude and if anyone could fake his own death I think it would be him. There were two available bodies he could disfigure, the two drug runners he and Dexter took out. I'm not sure why Masuka identified the body as African American but if Doakes did survive it follows that he would have let LaGuerta know and she could have leaned on Masuka to suppress the findings. As to why Doakes would have been lying low so long, it's safe to assume that not only would he need time to recover from his burns, but he also would have, would have to lie low since Dexter did such a thorough job of framing him. I believe that Maria finding the bloodslide is the first step on a season-long mission to clear Doakes's name, and I think the season-ending cliffhanger is going to be Doakes confronting a stunned Dexter and maybe Deb. This theory may be proven incorrect, but I hope I'm right, because that would make for one hell of a finale, motherfucker. (laughs) Dissecting Dexter is a fantastic podcast, and I thank you much for all your hard work. The show has been a great companion as I race through Dexter. This season has been incredible thus far, and I can't wait until I'm done with work tonight and I can go and watch Season 7, Episode 3. Thanks, Dan. Credit to you, sir, for ploughing through the back catalogue of dissecting dexters. <laughs> I appreciate your dedication. I agree that the arc for LaGuerta is firstly to clear Dokes's name. And secondly to reopen the case and catch the real butcher. But I'll need some convincing to believe that Dokes is still alive. I can't remember exactly what happened in the show. I've not got there yet with the rewatch. But I'd presume they'd have identified the body by dental records or DNA. I'm not sure I buy the possibility that Doakes would have lain low for this long, I mean we're talking a few years aren't we now, and that Maria LaGuerta would be acting in the way she is now if she knew that Doakes was alive, and that she'd have been able to lean on Masuka in such a way. I. I think Masuka's been shown he's got integrity. I don't know, I'm not convinced. Um, For Dokes to return in the finale, that would be bold. It might not please everyone, although we all love Dokes. But would it seem a bit cheap to do it now with no hint of Dokes in the interim? I think LaGuerta will be the one to confront Dexter at the end of this season, and I think Deb could, end up, could be the one to end up killing her to protect him. I certainly have no problem with you wanting Dopes to be alive. We all, we all loved him, didn't we? He's, he's definitely a fan favourite. I'm just not sure it'll actually happen, but I applaud you for the theory. <laughs> Thanks very much for emailing and hope to hear from you again. Jumping over to the podcast Facebook page. Log on to Facebook, search for dissecting Dexter, and you'll find the page. Uh, it's always very active during the uh, when, when the new seasons are airing, uh, inevitably so. And this week was no exception. With uh, a few comments, I'm just going to pick out now. Joan McMullen said, "Was that not a great episode?" But our dear Josh, obviously we're referring now to episode three. Matt Cook said, I was going to message you when I saw it, but didn't know if you hadn't seen it yet. No, indeed. Um, obviously, I'm, I do watch it after you guys in America, and it's, it's usually about 24 hours. Uh, I'm usually about 24 hours behind everybody else. Mike Wilkerson said, I thought it was the best episode of the season so far, and a true testament that showcases what writing can do. Keep it up, Dexter. That's Mike Wilkerson uh, of the Two Guys Talking Dexter podcast. And also associated with that same podcast is Sandra Paiser, who posted to say, Awesome episode, truly back to Dexter's style from the early seasons. I love Dexter's violent daydreaming. The Lewis solution, that will come back and bite him, all that blood on his boat. And the building threats on him. Now that he got rid of, clearly from us, overrated Lewis... He still has three threats on him. That's almost a tongue twister, three threats. (laughs) I hope that Deb will agree with his way of killing, as she does in the books. Fantastic episode. And Danielle Hawley said, Just an observation, the bull's head worn by that creepy murderer reminds me of the book Dexter in the Dark. And Heisenberg White posted, Lewis had potential. I cannot believe the way he was killed. I also wanted to see him on Dexter's table. I would have been, it would have been great to see the creator of violent material being killed by a real serial killer. I love the scene in the house, with the noise and the tension very high. Dexter saved the day, and I think he will be the one to make Deb understand why it's better for the world to have a serial killer of serial killers. It was another great episode. Take care, mate. Thanks, Heisenberg, and thanks, everybody else, for keeping the Facebook page alive and kicking with some great food for thought and, and comments.
2: Hi, this
0: is Josh Cook, and you're listening to Dissecting Dexter. It ain't right. They shouldn't have done that. He was just a boy,
3: Gareth. This is Travis, and we're talking Buck the System, episode three of season seven of Dexter. And it's a shame. It's a damn shame, Lewis. When I like that dude was straight having the worst week ever, no doubt. I mean, he get he loses his job, he loses his girl, and then not least of which he gets shot in the head. I mean, there's that's a pretty horrible work week, if you ask me. If you ask anybody. Uh, you know the show certainly has a knack for killing off characters from season 6 that by all rights should have led to greater stories uh, Mike Anderson's potential is essentially gone, of course it is gone, he's dead, but I mean like, he didn't really affect Dexter directly, not the same way that Lewis did, which is something that perhaps us as the fans could take a small bit of solace in knowing that at least Lewis's actions, his final actions will be felt by Dexter, I mean he did put the Ukrainian mob on Dexter's trail so, I mean, he has some reach from beyond the grave. So, there's that. It wasn't a complete waste, but, man, you know, it's, it's just a shame how it went down, man. I mean, we had all these great ideas for Lewis. Like, oh, he's he's Dexter's son from another girl, or he's, he's Harry from the future, Terminator style, reborn or something. You know, we had, oh, man, our, our imaginations were lighting up. Certainly when we'd see Lewis and with the Ice Truck Killer hand, we'd hear that little Ice Truck Killer theme from season one we get excited like oh yeah let the good times roll we were all psyched uh, and man it really was all over a video game man we'll have a moment of silence for lewis uh some other time right we gotta move on but i'm not even sure the way lewis got fired would even work the way that it did um i mean he was freelance for the department at, at, as of the end of season six So i mean can you get fired for freelance like that I don't know. Can Masuk, does Masood have the authority to fire somebody on the spot like that? Don't you have to go through like human resources, do something like that, paperwork? Also, you know, Lewis, he has rights. Like he should be able to defend himself. There's, we know Lewis had the hand, but there was no evidence that he did. That was some anonymous me- package that we know was sent from Dexter. I mean, Lewis could just been like, I don't know where that shit came from. You can't prove I ever had it, right? So I don't know. Uh, I think the biggest shame out of all of this is that Gareth, if you ever do get to interview Josh Cook again, you two aren't going to have a lot to dish about. You guys, I don't know. Maybe he's a bird watcher, and you guys could talk about the latest article you read in ornithological quarterly or something, right? I'd like to hear that conversation. Get that on a podcast, Gareth. Do it. Do it. Um, I'm actually kind of becoming in Ray Stevenson's character or the the plot, I guess. And I still don't like the Ukrainian mob. It's still too like generic crime story for me but uh, there's something about Ray Stevenson maybe I'm projecting, maybe I want to like him but he's becoming kind of a good villain in this episode. I like that scene between him and Dexter and we knew what was going on but they didn't and that's always kind of fun to see um, Did Harrison even get a mention this episode? I, I mean I know he did Deb brought him up in the beginning of the episode I believe but I mean where was the little guy? I mean Dexter and Deb are at work all day. Jamie had to go to Lewis's apartment to break up with him where was the fool? Uh, you know, he's gotta have somebody watching him. Maybe he's still in that Catholic school, but you know, I don't know. You know, I find it weird that I'm like advocating for this character that I dislike so much, but you know, I guess someone's gotta do it, right? You have to you have to speak out for the ones that can't speak for themselves, you know, something like that. I don't know. I also find it strange that Miami Metro is wasting so many resources and so much manpower on trying to solve these cold case murders, you know, the ones that <clears throat> excuse me. That Wayne Randall led them to, uh, and that that leads the extra to Hannah McKay. Um, You know, I mean, yeah, it's nice that the the families get closure, but, I mean, these people have been missing for years. Wayne Randall admitted to murdering them, and he has many of their personal effects to, like, prove he did. So it's kind of like, ah, is it worth it just to find a bunch of skeletons in the ground to, like, spend so much money? I mean, the police probably would be better serving uh, solving current crimes you know i don't know Debbie even explicitly states in her briefing in the beginning of the episode that the department has so many cases she says something like you guys got a lot on your plate right now let me know if you need any help you know it's like yeah they do have a lot on their plate so let's not you know fucking look for dead bodies in the ground you know i don't know i don't know i'm just not happy you know i'm looking for an excuse to have dexter not get another girlfriend and it seems to be going down that way i'm gonna talk about her in just a minute but I did like the scenes between uh, Deb and Dexter, you know, just talking about stuff. I mean, I think everyone likes that. Like when like Dexter's being honest with her and, and Deb is like kind of asking smart questions like not just being dumb, like asking questions, even about like, oh, why do you have those blood slides? Like you're sick. You know? Um, I don't know. I like that. Everyone loves that shit. I wish it was just more of that. Uh, she doesn't ask all the right questions though, I guess. If I said that she did earlier, I apologize. I didn't mean that. Uh, I'm still like waiting for her to like ask about dokes. Uh, you know, or even I'm surprised Dexter hasn't brought up the thing about like, you know, killing Trinity or Trinity killing Rita, or or maybe that'd make Dex that'd make Deb think that Harrison was a danger. What Dexter doesn't want, I don't know. But certainly Dexter could have brought up Lumen. Which yeah, that's surprised that I'm saying that. I mean, that would appeal to, to Deb's sensitive side. Deb seemed to kind of support the, the, you know, the whatever that Lumen storyline was in season five. The I forgot what it was already called already, but the boyfriend and girlfriend that killed Jordan Chase. You know. Um, Vigilantes or whatever, I don't know But uh, I'm surprised that hasn't come up uh, This week we saw no movement On the Bay Harbor Butcher case, I mean it's understandable I guess there's a lot of stuff, a lot of plates To be spun, but man, showtime Don't leave me hanging dog, you know this is really Interesting, I'm just waiting until till we get uh, some more Dokes love Um. So finally I, I would like to just mention Hannah McKay and the last Two scenes, or I'm sorry My last two points about that scene. Uh, okay, my first point is just a little pet peeve of mine. Dexter is at in the fucking the greenery, you know, he, the greenhouse or whatever. He pricks his finger on that plant and then sucks his thumb, sucks the blood off his thumb. Is that okay? Tell me, people, please tell me. Is this something normal adults do? Personally, like I think that's kind of like gross. I haven't done that since I was a kid, but like I know Rick Moranis did it in the movie Little Shop of Horrors, so maybe I'm the weird one here. But I just think that's like gross, like Dexter why are you sucking your own blood dude what are you doing like again i don't mean to offend anyone who this is normal behavior so please let me know if i'm in the wrong but like i see no difference between like doing that and like eating your own hair or something there's no difference it's from your body you could say hey, it's your own blood who cares but yeah it's like why would, you, why would you just put wipe it man don't suck your blood Ugh, Ugh. all that iron anyway lastly yvonne strahovsky am i saying that right yeah, I'm already bored with that shit, man. Just you know, I was, I was dozing off while I was watching that while I was watching that part, man. Just I'm already bored. Just somebody wake me up after her indexer bone, and then she leaves the show probably by, you know, like getting killed more than likely, right? So. Yeah, wake me up after her and Dexter Bone, she leaves the show, but of course she's not going to leave before she teaches Dexter something about himself or something about life, and then Dexter is going to reflect on it while it's in slow motion and we hear Astor's birthday party play in the background. Yeah, let me know when that happens.
0: <laughs> you are funny. Get rid of him. Hey, that's not nice. Worst week ever. I like that. A bad week at the office indeed. Actually... I didn't mention this in my review, but I thought Josh Cook did the best work in the last couple of episodes. He got to stretch his acting chops a bit with some really nice tense scenes. And you're right to point out Lewis's legacy. I mentioned the presumed sabotage to the boat and the blood on the deck, but Lewis gets some payback on Dexter by pointing the Ukrainians at him. And I'm sure you're right about Lewis getting fired, he did report to Masuka, so He was essentially his line manager, but yes, you'd think human resources would have to be involved. But maybe Lewis was on some kind of rolling deal or something, and he could just walk or be kicked out at any time. But this is a minor thing. I agree with you about Ray Stevenson and the Ukrainian mob story. It is a fairly generic plot, but Stevenson does have a good screen presence, and as I said before, he's got a certain charisma about him that makes the cold, violent things he does all the more frightening. He could turn into a formidable adversary. Now, Harrison, <laughs> on the Dexter Wrap-Up podcast, someone, and I I give them kudos for reading Often very pertinent questions out. Someone asked the question about where Harrison is while Dexter's at Debs and Scott Buck simply replied he's with Jamie. Now, that's one dedicated nanny to be potentially potentially looking after a young child 24-7 while the father that the single parent is staying away for who knows how long. But Scott Buck also said they didn't spend time explaining Harrison's whereabouts, as it would have slowed the pace with everything else that was going on. And they only have so long each episode. I guess they just didn't think it important enough to include dialogue about it. You're right that Jamie went to Lewis's place, but Harrison does go to that Catholic nursery, as you mentioned, and that scene with her watching the hooker video was during the daytime, so presumably that's where Harrison was then. About Deb and Dex, yes, there are still unasked questions from Deb and pertinent stuff that Dexter needs to tell her, or could do with telling her to help bring her round. But there's still plenty of time for that. And then you talk about the scene with Hannah and you get all gross on us. (laughs) Yes, Dexter cuts his finger and sucks the blood off. Personally, I don't really think this is a big deal. Yes, blood is a bit gross but it's his blood and in the absence of any tissue or a plaster what would you want him to do wipe it on his clothes leave it to drip flick it in a random direction i mean he probably did have a tissue in his um in his bag of tricks of the trade of uh, tools of the trade oh i don't know I, i don't think it's the same as eating hair i mean would you rather have a hair on you or a drop of someone else's blood Why am I even indulging this topic? Hannah, (laughs) moving on. Hannah, (laughs) I know your feelings on Dexter and girlfriends, and I'm sure we all remember your prediction on the preview podcast in no uncertain terms. I mean, it's not a big stretch to imagine them hooking up, but what else is in store? Could she turn into Dexter's most dangerous adversary for the final season? And obviously my condolences for your cardigan wearing man crush having been bumped off this week. I hope you've uh, I hope you've recovered. <laughs> Thanks as always Travis. On to an email from our good friend Mike Lanich who says, well first off let me admit that I was wrong. With one gunshot to the head Lewis was done. While it was surprising I feel the writers missed out on an opportunity to take a character like Lewis who seemed to show some of those odd serial killer tendencies, along with giving out a creepy vibe, I like to think Doakes would have called him Psycho too, and showing his transformation and flowering into a real killer. I think this route would have given Dexter his Moriarty for its final season, just like we talked about a few weeks ago. Dexter has never had a real adversary who was as intelligent and deadly as as he since Brian in season one. Everyone else he's faced has been dangerous, but not on his level of overall skill. So now that Lewis is dead, I'd like to know your thoughts on what you ultimately thought about his character. Personally, I'm less disappointed that my overall theory about him was wrong, and more so that his character ended up being a glorified stalker. Don't you think the writers just killed off one of the best and most mysterious characters? There were so many roads they could have taken with them, and instead he served a purpose no greater than in some ways, and in some ways less effective than Mike Anderson did. What a way to waste a good character. OK, now that we have that out of the way, onto the episode. This episode was another excellent one, filled with more wonderful Deb Dexter conversations. After trying to choke a guy who was unwilling to give a DNA sample. Dex and Deb had it out in the alley, with Deb allowing Dexter some space to breathe. But she still followed him everywhere he went. After picking his next target, Ray Speltzer, a killer of women who shaves his head when ready for his next kill, Dex lets Deb follow him to a bar where he lays out his case for vigilantism. And why his code separates him from the other parade of serial killers who kill simply for the thrill while he, while he kills to satisfy his need and help keep others safe. He deconstructed her belief in the criminal justice system by saying that if the system worked as well as you think it did, I wouldn't be so busy. I like that you could see just a hint of doubt after Dexter said this. She was adamant that he not touch Ray or she would bring him down with her. Dexter also talked to Deb about his lizard brain and how his hunches have been helping her for years and now it's going off in his head regarding Ray, like his own special spidey sense. After stopping by Spelz's house, Deb broke in after hearing a woman's scream over the pounding music. The writers must love Silence of the Lambs because the scene that unfolded reminded me of it. Loud music, darkness and flashing lights and a killer wearing a mask. Deb's conversation with Dexter at the end of the episode was another gem. I like that she admitted that his twisted logic and set of principles would have saved the girl. She gets it, but she hates it too. A necessary evil. The problem is that Deb can never cross that line herself and for her everything has changed now. She ends that fanciful game of fix Dexter and kicks him out. And of course there's Hannah. We only got one scene but I like her character. You can see deep in her eyes that same deadness that Dexter sometimes has. She's like him and unlike Lumen. It's not a temporary thing. There seems to be no question they'll hook up. However, with Lewis dead, I wonder if somehow Hannah will become the first female serial killer Dexter's had to face. Might the relationship sour over time? Could she possibly end up being his greatest rival by next season's end? With Strahovski signed on for next season as well, anything's possible. Thanks, Mike. I think we're universally agreed that Lewis was a wasted character in the end and arguably reduced to a plot device to direct the Ukrainians in Dexter's direction. I'd really, really love to know the writer's line of thinking there. Maybe we'll get an answer on the next Dexter wrap-up podcast. I hope so. But without any other background on him, Lewis could be summed up as someone who doesn't take criticism well in the slightest. He's been shown to be vindictive, childish, arrogant but skilled with computers and probably very intelligent to the point of that arrogance. He had a misplaced confidence. (laughs) Him giving Dexter the bird this week was funny, but it illustrated his cockiness. I'm certain he didn't know much about Dexter, or he'd have run a mile. He reminded me of an internet troll, all cocky and confident when behind the safety of a computer keyboard on the internet, but going to pieces when confronted in person. His problem with Dexter, from what we've seen, just stemmed from the video game. They could have developed him into something much more, and I would argue it's an opportunity missed. Lewis didn't need to be on the boat when the Ukrainians turned up. They could have found the boat, via that dodgy UPS thing, and done their own detective work to find out the owner. It's almost like the writers threw Lewis under the bus... I hope answers will be forthcoming because I'm not sold on it either. I agree with you about the potential for Hannah, although, after Lewis, I don't want to get my hopes up too much too soon. I am intrigued, though, and regardless of any bedroom capers that might happen along, the story could take some fascinating turns. You're
1: supposed to preserve the crime scene, asshole. <laughs> This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter.
0: Our old friend, writer gal, who is an author herself, you may remember, has emailed in with some thoughts, and she says, Yes, I'm still on the bus, and yes, I'm delighted. That's delighted in capital letters. (laughs) Delighted that the Deb Dexter love storyline is kaput. I'm also glad that the Lewis problem is gone via Victor and his henchmen because it was escalating to a point where Dexter would have felt compelled to kill him and Lewis, as obnoxious as he was, didn't fit the code. I thought a bit about how Masuka is all lewd and snarky on the outside but inside he's a loyal friend. On the other hand, Lewis was polite and genial on the outside but thoroughly reprehensible on the inside. Yuck, I'm glad he's gone. One moment in the episode in episode three that didn't ring true to me was when Lewis said, it's not my boat, and Isaac and his men believed him. I asked my husband, why are they believing him now, under the threat of a drill, when they didn't believe him a minute ago, when he wasn't being threatened at all? It seemed to me that the writer's logic got twisted in there. People will, say under the th- people will say anything under the threat of torture. But I understand why the writers needed Isaac to believe that Lewis was not Dexter. And, I suppose, they would have wondered why the owner of a boat would appear to be about ready to drill holes in the hull to sink it. Only one other moment of disbelief for me, when the murderer Speltzer shot his victim, seemed that someone so evil, so intense on enjoying his victim's pain and terror, wouldn't have used a gun, but would have prolonged the terror. But if Deb had saved the girl that wouldn't have given weight to Dexter's argument that Speltzer would kill again so they could join forces to save lives. I suppose Speltzer could have shot the girl in a hurry because he knew someone was in the house, but still, that moment didn't ring true for me. But one scene was brilliant, when Deb and Dexter confronted each other outside in that narrow space between the two buildings. A little obvious, but clearly Dexter was trapped with only two possible exits, either to turn and run, which had been an option all his life, or to go through Deb to come to some sort of understanding with her. And I was thrilled that they have come to a rapprochement in this episode. Now, that we, now we can get to the real story arc of this season. Thanks, Writer Gal. It's always good to hear your thoughts. And I'm sorry it felt that my, <laughs> my reading of that email <laughs> was not uh, placing enough emphasis in the right places. So uh, sorry if I didn't convey your meaning quite perfectly there. About Lewis. I wonder how you feel as a writer about what they did with Lewis. The writers going to the trouble of building him up so well last year, maintaining his story into this year and then bumping him off seemingly to further what is surely only going to be a season-long arc with the Ukrainians. What's your take on that? Do you find it a bit strange? You're right, he didn't turn out to be the nicest guy in the world, but they had most of us really intrigued by him. Anyway, you commented about the Ukrainians believing Lewis under the threat of torture. My first thought is maybe Isaac has enough experience of interrogating people under duress that he can tell when someone's lying to him. About Speltzer, I rewatched the scene and... I'll be honest, I couldn't hear a gunshot when Deb was moving through the house. There was plenty of noise and bass and banging from the music and the sounds of maybe somebody stumbling around. But I'm not sure how Speltzer killed that girl. I remain unconvinced. On the other hand, if Speltzer had heard Deb's gunshot that broke the door lock, he might have aborted that terror game a bit sharpish and killed her quickly so maybe he did use a gun for that. His hands were empty as he stood over Deb, though, so I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, always great to hear your thoughts and hope to hear from you again soon. Abe in Mexico emailed to say, Oh, Lewis, you poor resentful prankster. We hardly knew you. Seriously, how's that for a red herring? I mentioned this in an email to the Two Guys Talking Dexter podcast. I fear sometimes the show is going to pull an M. Night Shyamalan and try to be smarter than its audience by adding twists like that just for the sake of it. I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt because even though I'm not big into the Russian oh that should be Ukrainian mob thing they seem to be this year's big menace along with La Guerta, and I see potential in this. Feels a little like the Skinner but I'll buy it for now. The Deb-Dex show is going to interesting places, so there's that. Although, didn't Dexter go through a dry spell before without going mental before when Sergeant Doakes was hunting him? Thanks, Abe. I'd like to think the writers didn't kill off Lewis as a cheap shock. I mean, it was a shock, but I really hope it wasn't just for the sake of having one. Yes, Dexter did start to go a bit doolally when Doakes was tailing him. And we saw him jonesing again this week. And he still needs to kill now, so maybe he'll be taking out the trash next week. Speltzer, perhaps, if he gets the opportunity to catch up with him. Thanks, Abe. An email now from Sandy in Ireland. She says, My God, I really enjoyed this week's episode. Must be up there with the greatest episodes ever. And we have so much left of this season, it's all good. Brackets does a happy little dance. (laughs) When I saw Lewis giving Dexter the finger, I couldn't help think how the writers gave Lewis a kind of split personality, kind of bipolar-like. We've seen him being pathetic, the way he was a blubbering fool when being pinned up against the wall by Dexter. Or by the baddies in this episode, in the boat. But then, when he was shown as having a strong alpha male side too with his bravado against Dexter. I'm still laughing with his line to Jamie, saying... It's not cheating if you paid for it. That has to be one of the funniest lines I've heard from any TV show. I was just over the relief of him appearing to have gotten away with it, with the Ukrainian dudes, after giving up the real owner of the boat, but then, bang, he shot him. I was in shock, and I think we both here said, No! I must re-listen to your interview with him again. I'm so impressed with him for not giving anything away. So, no more Lewis. The show must go on, I guess. I was happy to see the tension that was lost in last week's episode is back. This episode had so many brilliant scenes, not least Deborah realising that her best detective is actually a lab geek. A quick question for you on the opening sequence of the show. Have you a favourite part? Personally, I cannot look at a blood orange. That's my favourite, apart from the ting at the end. (laughs) Wow, Sandy, and thanks. One of your best episodes ever. I have to say... The show is really back on good form for me too, as it seems to be for the vast majority of you. I just hope they can keep this up for all season. I do think that now they've had the game changer of Deb finding out, it opens up all these new possible avenues for good stories that so far they've not been able to touch. That was a funny line from Lewis to Jamie about cheating. He did get some good moments in the last couple of episodes. It's just a shame we won't be getting any more from him. And you're right about Josh Cook. He really did do a good job of not spoiling us or giving any hint of what was coming in the interview. And I did try to word the questions to make that easier for him. But in all probability, when I spoke to him in July, he'd probably already filmed his final scene. The only clue I got that he might be done on the show was that he was in New York doing a play full time. I mean, it was possible he'd get a day off or two here or there to go back and shoot something in LA they do have understudies don't they at theatres so I didn't take it to mean his character was necessarily done it added to my optimistic feeling that he might disappear for a bit of the season and then return later finally you mentioned the opening titles I really do like them they're they're such great images with parallels to things a killer might do or metaphors for grisly things if metaphor's the right word one thing that did jump out at me this week is that early in the sequence we see him shaving and then at the end as he locks the door and walks away smiling at us we see he's all stubbly hey, maybe he just has fast growing hair rather than bad continuity
1: (laughs) Harry, you never prepared me for this one what do I do? Dissecting Dexter.
0: Finally, an email from Nick Henderson in Texas, host of the 4Player podcast. He says, This season is shaping up to be the best season since season 2, in my opinion. This week, we finally got to see some dark humour poke through the seriousness that has permeated the last two episodes. It was great to witness Dexter's sick fantasies that were playing out in his head. The post office scene was especially great because it was a situation that we have all been in before but it was presented totally differently when shown through the eyes of a frustrated serial killer. It was funny seeing the juxtaposition of Dexter and Deborah in this scene. Here Dexter was fantasising about murdering people while Deborah innocently fumbled with her iPod headphones. That was adorable by the way. Of course the scene where he stabbed Masuka was funny but a bit more eye-opening because it served as a reminder of his emptiness. I think we, as an audience, have fooled ourselves into believing that Masuka and Batista are close to Dexter since earlier in the show, and forgotten how little they actually mattered to him in the grand scheme of things. I loved the progression of the opening sequence. The pacing that led from the post office to the alleyway outside Miami Metro was great, and it covered a lot of ground, leaving the rest of the episode for some excellent plot development. It was cool to see Dexter snap at the guy in the interrogation room and then use that as ammo to get Deb off his back. An all-round great scene. I think I picked up on some symbolism in the alleyway too. It was like the walls were closing in around him and he needed desperately to be free of his shackles. Of course, this week we saw the anticlimactic exit of Lewis Green at the hands of Isaac and George. It looks like all of our hopes about him having some connection to Brian have been dashed but it was a great way for him to die after being humiliated by Dexter. I guess there is still a chance that we might find out more about his past in the future, but something tells me that he won't ever be mentioned again. Bummer. When this season started, I'd hoped that Deborah would get a good look at Dexter's process, and this week did just that. I love that Dexter decided to try and bring her on board for a kill, It was at that moment that I realised that she had started down the path of understanding, even if she was going to be resistant at first. The subsequent conversation about Dexter's lizard brain was great too, because Deborah was starting to realise that she had always depended on his darkness for help since the beginning. Having her repeat this to LaGuerta and being denied a warrant served as another important event that will hopefully lead her to appreciate her brother. As usual, the interactions between Deb and Dexter continued to be completely enthralling. Dexter's new target reminds me a little of little Chino, thanks to his physical presence. With that said, I don't see him lasting very long. In fact, I bet he's gone by the end of the next episode. However, I bet he will serve his purpose well, greasing the wheels for Deborah as she starts to accept a brother for who he really is. We all knew Dexter would come to her rescue the moment she entered the house, but it still felt different this time. He no longer has to lie about why he was around or why he knew she was in danger. It's just another element of the show that feels fresh and exciting. I can't wait to see what happens next week. Lastly, the introduction of Hannah Mackay. I don't have much to go on here and she is the one character that Showtime seemed pretty intent on keeping under wraps. I can't tell if she'll end up being a villain, or a love interest, or both. Hopefully the secrecy implies that they show, that the showrunners have big plans for her. What if she ends up being the one who exposes Dexter to the world in a fit of raid or jealousy, rage or jealousy? Either way, one thing's certain. She seems like trouble, and that's the way I like it. I really like their initial interaction in the greenhouse. It was funny to see Dexter fumble in the presence of a beautiful woman, because that doesn't happen often. Or ever, for that matter. I think good things are on the horizon, Gareth. Let's hope that they can keep this going for another nine episodes. Thanks very much, Nick. You raise a point about Dexter's inner feelings for Masuka and Batista. On the outside, they're friendly, but when it comes down to it... Yeah, they don't matter too much to him. This is an interesting one. I think in this episode, he was... He was going a bit stir-crazy, wasn't he? And anyone who pissed him off, he was fantasising about killing. The postal woman first, and then Masuka annoyed him for drawing attention to Deb, giving him the Bdi. eye. I think Dexter does appreciate a degree of friendliness with Masuka and Batista, but it's something relative and unique to him, not how you or I would define a friendship. And how much he values them in the grand scheme of things... It, It is debatable, and we've heard him acknowledge before about how he maintains these, quote, friendships in order to maintain his mask or normality. But that's going back a good while. I'm honestly, I'm not sure how he feels nowadays. You described Lewis's exit as a great way to die. Like I said in the review, I was torn over what happened. Part of me did feel it was an organic way for it to happen. But I do have this overriding disappointment after we had such hopes for him following their excellent build-up. We've not heard the last of his name, though, I'm sure. But it's not the last time or first time in a TV series that a well-built-up and well-appreciated character has died without, without being fully explored or without having any kind of proper resolution. Lost, The series Lost was a bugger for doing that. Uh, Little Chino you mention, (laughs) I've not heard that name in a long time, and Speltzer, he was a big fella. But Little Chino, crikey, he was a mountain. (laughs) You're right to describe the show as fresh and exciting. When I mention Deb's discovery, I keep using the phrase game changer, but that's exactly what it was. The rules have changed, and anything can happen, and I love the fact Thanks, Nick. If you want to email in to me, you can. It's dissectingdexter at gmail.com where you can also send a voice recording, an MP3 or iPhone voice recording or whatever format you'd like to use. Just email it to me and I can include it in the show. Or you can use the phone. In the US, the number is 646-222-6122. And in the UK, it's 0844-579-6949. And with the UK line, you enter mailbox ID 08320. When prompted, there's also Twitter, at Dissect Dexter, or my personal Twitter, at Gareth underscore UK. And I mentioned Facebook a bit ago. Just search for Dissecting Dexter. You're
1: listening to Dissecting Dexter. Email your feedback to dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Blood. Sometimes it sets my teeth on edge.
0: Audible.com is one of the leading online purveyors of audio content with a catalogue of over 100,000 titles, encompassing just about any subject you can possibly imagine, fiction or non-fiction. They're offering listeners of Dissecting Dexter a free audiobook download, and you can choose anything from their catalogue. All you have to do is visit www.audibletrial.com/ dexter sign up for a free no obligation one month trial and you can download your audiobook that you can then play on your pc mp3 player iphone or whatever it is you use and in doing so you'll be supporting the podcast and helping me out at no personal expense thanks guys
1: next time on dissecting dexter
0: Okay, if you don't want to know the name of the next episode, skip forward about 30 seconds. Well, more like 10 seconds, because I'm about to say it. (laughs) Season 2 episode... Season 2? Season 7 episode... Oh, now I've gone over 10 seconds. Bugger. All right, if you just skip forward 10 seconds, skip forward another 10 seconds, because I just bungled up. (laughs) Season 7 episode 4 is called Run. Now this could be a reference to a word that we saw painted on the wall inside speltz's house he'd obviously set up a rather nice disturbing maze for his chosen victims in his house and run was painted on the wall um obviously meant to scare his his would-be victims into um panicking that little bit more as if they weren't enough already um and maybe it's symbolic that that's what Spelz is going to do now. <laughs> now that they're onto him and know who he is, maybe he's going to run. Maybe Dexter runs after him. The season is moving along at a great pace. It's almost breathless, and I'm loving it. And most of you guys seem to be loving it too. The storylines, well, apart from the LaGuerta investigating the butcher thing this week that um, had a little bit of a sort of bit of a pause Um, I'm hoping they'll pick that up again next week Uh, but things are moving along pretty smartly and I applaud it and as I've said it's making me very excited as to well I'm assuming they maintain this pace I mean part of me thinks how can they (laughs) things have to slow down at some point but I don't know maybe there's so much the writers want to pack into what little time they have left I mean it's well I say little time it's a, a season and three quarters as we stand Um, and they're wanting to get all these remaining ideas out there and uh, explore all these things they've not been able to explore prior to Deb's discovery Uh, it's cards on the table and chips in the air it's 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 great And so I'll speculate no further at this point because we've kind of speculated enough throughout the podcast and I'll draw this particular podcast to a close and just say, as always, thanks very much for your continued support and downloads, your feedback. It's brilliant. Obviously, I wouldn't have the motivation to keep doing this if it wasn't for you guys. So thanks again. And until we reconvene in a week's time and we dissect some more dexter together take care guys thanks very much speak to you soon cheers